It's Friday, April 7th, and from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, this is Pennsylvania Legacies. I'm Josh Rollerson. New projects break ground all the time, often with lots of fanfare. Reporters are invited, hard hats are donned, ceremonial shovels handed out, pictures taken. It's all a familiar ritual, and sometimes the hype isn't exactly proportional to the significance of the event. But sometimes it is. Sometimes a groundbreaking marks the culmination of an effort that's not just months or years, but decades in the making. Sometimes it's a milestone for a whole community, something people have been anticipating for literally a generation. It was one of those projects that was on the books and people talked about it. Everybody thought it was a great idea, but nobody up until 2014 was willing to take ownership of it. And so it was, it was a leap of faith. That's what happened this week in Carbon County, where construction has begun on a pedestrian bridge over the Lehigh River in Jim Thorpe. It's a span of just 250 feet, but when it's finished, it will connect the Delaware and Lehigh National Heritage Corridor to the Lehigh Valley, closing the most problematic and one of the last remaining trail gaps on the 165-mile DNL corridor. When it's finished, the DNL will be the longest multi-use trail in the Commonwealth. That could mean a huge economic opportunity for a region that's already well on its way to transitioning from mining and heavy industry to tourism and recreation. You know, it becomes a long-distance trail, much like the Great Allegheny Passage or the CNO. And when you have a long-distance trail like that, it turns into uh, an economic generator as well. We'll learn about the quarter-century-long struggle to build the Jim Thorpe Bridge and why trail planners believe their patience is about to pay off. That's coming up. First, let's take a look at what's been happening this week in environmental conservation and energy news across Pennsylvania. Governor Tom Wolf's budget proposal for environmental agencies this year is pretty grim. The budget bill released by House Republicans this past week is even worse. Across the board cuts to state agencies include $2.8 million less for the Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. Staffing cuts account for the bulk of it, although funding for state and county level programs are also affected. DEP in particular has seen years of cuts or flat funding and was recently warned by the EPA that it could lose primacy in enforcement of clean drinking water standards due to chronic understaffing. For more details and analysis, you can check out the Pennsylvania Environment Digest at paenvironmentdaily.blogspot.com. We also monitor legislative action in Harrisburg on the PEC Bill Tracker, which you'll find at pecpa.org. You can add the Borough Council of State College to the list of local government entities calling for a tax on carbon. Council members in State College approved a resolution last month calling on Pennsylvania's congressional delegation to support a carbon fee and dividend in order to promote market-based solutions to climate change. The Center Daily Times reports the measure is part of a broader push for sustainability in State College, including stormwater infrastructure upgrades and a switch to solar-powered parking meters. Pennsylvania has the nation's highest rates of Lyme disease, and epidemiologists are expecting the rate will continue to rise this summer as disease-carrying ticks become more active. Tick populations are higher than normal this spring, thanks to unseasonably warm winter temperatures and lack of snow cover across much of the state. The Commonwealth has seen a more than 44 percent increase in Lyme cases since 1999, affecting all 67 counties. In 2015, Pennsylvania accounted for nearly a quarter of all Lyme diagnoses nationwide, according to the CDC. Central and Western PA are hotspots with the highest numbers concentrated around the Harrisburg area. 
Philadelphia's Transit Authority is moving forward with plans to build a natural gas-fired plant to power its trains. The SEPTA board last month held a second vote to approve the project, which the agency says will make it more resilient to power outages and cut carbon emissions by as much as 41 percent. The board voted unanimously over protests from activists who dispute that estimate and say they fear the plant will negatively affect air quality. Meanwhile, natural gas-powered vehicles now have a new place to fuel up in south-central Pennsylvania. The York Dispatch reports York County's first CNG fueling stations up and running in Spring Garden Township. It serves primarily shipping companies, which are increasingly adopting compressed natural gas as a cheaper alternative to diesel fuel for heavy vehicles. Other customers include the city of York's Streets Department. And in Lancaster County, residents are being asked to help out their amphibian neighbors during a dangerous time of year. The Lancaster Herpetological Society issued a toad alert this week, calling for volunteers to escort migrating toads safely across a busy roadway in Mannheim Township. According to the group's website, toads usually begin migrating from wooded areas to wetlands around early April. Warm, wet weather in this week's forecast suggested to the group that toads in Mannheim's Overlook Park might make a run for it on Monday night. Would-be escorts were urged to bring a flashlight and wear reflective rain gear. No word on how the evacuation went, but you can sign up to receive toad alerts by email at LancasterHerp.com. That's LancasterHerp.com. On last week's show, we gave you a little preview of opening day on the circuit trails in Philadelphia. That's happening this weekend. This week, though, we'll take you a little bit further north to the Delaware and Lehigh National Heritage Corridor, which just took a big step toward completing a 165-mile trail link from the Poconos all the way down to Bucks County. The mood was jubilant on Wednesday in the town of Jim Thorpe, where PennDOT Secretary Leslie Richards and DCNR Secretary Cindy Dunn joined with local officials and partner groups to break ground on a pedestrian bridge that's been planned since the early 1990s. Carbon County Commissioner Wayne Nothstein told WBRE WYOU-TV reporter Mark Hiller he expects the project to deliver a major economic boost to the community. Every dollar that is spent here on the construction of this bridge, I would think it's going to bring tens of thousands, if not millions of dollars into the economy. And that's just the anticipated impact in Jim Thorpe. Along the entire length of the DNL corridor, trail planners are measuring projected economic activity in the hundreds of millions. Elisa Garofalo is president and executive director of the Delaware and Lehigh National Heritage Corridor. I spoke with her this week just after the project finally got underway. This is a pretty long story that begins back in 1992. That's extraordinary. Can you tell me how this story began and I guess why it took so long to come to fruition? Well, we are not your typical trail organization, we are actually one of 49 National Heritage Areas. And uh, we were the third actually established by Congress back in 1988. And we completed our management action plan, which was a, a key part of getting established in 1992. And in that plan was a recommendation for a pedestrian bridge at Jim Thorpe. And historically, there was actually, there was a bridge very near the location of the bridge that is being constructed now. It served the Lehigh Valley Railroad and served the Mansion House Hotel across the river, uh, the Lehigh River. And on the east side of the river was the railroad corridor as well as the Lehigh Canal corridor. 
And on the west side is was Mock Chunk then, the downtown business district of Mock Chunk, which is Jim Thorpe today. The most visible element of our heritage corridor and the, the basis of our heritage corridor is the this nationally significant story of uh, the transport of anthracite coal from the mines of Luzerne and Carbon County to help fuel America's industrial revolution in the Lehigh Valley, Bethlehem Steel, and the cement industries. And, and help to build Philadelphia. So the corridor follows along this, uh, this path of, of what today are rail trails and, uh, and towpath trails. And so this particular location is at a point where there was a transition in the way the Lehigh Canal system operated. And so the, the trail itself has to move from the west side to the east side. And this connection is, uh, is very, very important to make that connection. So the bridge itself now will connect uh, 58 miles of continuous trail. This is actually one of, has been designated one of the state's most critical trail gaps that needs to be closed in like the top 10 list. Yeah, it was on the top 10 list. Um, and it's uh, definitely one of the most challenging, you know, in the state. I believe there's a tunnel that's uh, being constructed in the western part of the state. But uh, we have this, we have this bridge. But, you know, it was originally conceived of in 1992 in that in that management plan, and then a year later, a fellow by the name of Dennis Namero, who's actually still active um, with our organization, um, he wrote a very early ice tea application for $515,000 to design and build that bridge, and of course that grant was not awarded. And then it was like 10 years later that we, um, myself and my predecessor, Alan Sachs, and um, we took a couple of our legislators on a tour of this, you know, this envisioned trail that we had. And we showed them a couple of these really hard gaps that we were going to have to close. Two of them involved uh, bridges. One was the reconstruction of a railroad bridge, which was done by Reading Blue Mountain Railroad, maybe about seven years ago that opened. And then this gap, which there wasn't, there's no longer a bridge in the location, so we had to, we're reconstructing. Present day, uh, we're dealing with two different railroads, one on either side of the river. And that was a challenge. That was actually one of the minor challenges when it came down to it, because even though we got the original funding to look at the design of the bridge and were successful in getting some of the funding, because the the legislators, you know, it was sort of a no-brainer. They saw the importance of these connectors. We still had to, to get money to design it and then ultimately build it. So that money started coming in around 2003. Um, and then because of the railroads and Army Corps and you know environmental rules, it was pretty slow going in getting the, the bridge designed. And then we got it designed and then the rules changed with the T program, the transition in 2014. And the DNL, as a nonprofit, was no longer eligible for that money. And we lost it, or lost all but a, th- a million dollars of it. So we had to go back in 2014 and ask the county to be the applicant for, and become the project owner. And, um, and they agreed. 
and that that was the uh, critical partnership that now you know brings us to the groundbreaking today. So a lot of engineering, logistical, <laughs> certainly financial challenges. Yeah. Was it, were there political challenges? Was it hard to get the county on board with that, or how do people feel in the community about this idea? Well, it was one of those projects that was on the books, and people talked about it. Everybody thought it was a great idea, but nobody up until 2014 was willing to take ownership of it. And so it was, it was a leap of faith and also, you know, an investment that the county is going to make into the future economy of Carbon County and the Jim Thorpe area and for the corridor, you know, up and down the corridor from Luzerne County all the way down to Bucks, it'll, it'll be, you know, impactful because when we're done, um, you know, this is 58 miles that it'll connect from essentially uh, Luzerne County down to just outside of Allentown. But, you know, it becomes a long distance trail, you know, much like the Great Allegheny Passage or the CNO. And when you have, I think you, we, most of us know that when you have a long distance trail like that, then it turns into uh, an economic generator as well as a way for attraction for, for industry, you know, or businesses to locate an attraction for bicyclists and trail users who want to do multi-day trips. And also, as we found through our partnership with St. Luke's University Health Network, it's a, a very positive thing for health and wellness in the region. When you look at the trail, the DNL trail from Wilkes-Barre through the Lehigh Valley and down into Bucks County, almost to Philadelphia, it goes through dozens of, of communities, and it's like having a free gym in your backyard. But people didn't necessarily recognize it as the asset that was in their backyard. Uh, so we've been able to make that connection so that people understand, you know, the importance of the trail, and, the, and they use it for biking or walking, and not only visitors, but, you know, residents. Uh, it's become quite an asset. For those of us who maybe don't know the area as well, tell me about what the trail actually looks like, what what that trip would be like. I would imagine there's a bit of climbing, although as a rail trail, it's it's going to be a pretty even No, route, there's yeah? no climbing. Very flat. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty flat because you're following along, you know, this was the, you know, the canals right. flowed down to the rivers. And so there's, a you know, maybe a, a little bit of rolling up in the north um, end, you know, up in Luz- the Luzerne County section. That's the most natural area. You'll see some, you know, you don't see many invasive plants. I mean, you have natural, a natural lake that you pass by, you know, very nice, nicely wooded. And then you get to the Lehigh Gorge, which is 25 miles. That's right on the Lehigh River. And you get to see the folks that are paddling, whitewater paddling or rafting down that 25-mile gorge. And everything you see to your left and right for 25 miles is within public ownership. It's either state parks or game lands. It's just beautiful, really overflowing with uh, rhododendron uh, and laurel in the spring and summer. The leaves in the fall are just gorgeous. And then that brings you into the town of Jim Thorpe. You cross a trestle where you have rail with trail. The Reading Blue Mountain Railroad is actively travels a good portion of the trail through the gorge and then cross that bridge. And then you get to the town of Jim Thorpe, which is you know a destination in itself with shops and food and galleries and live music and festivals and all that. And that's where the gap is, right there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now what you'll be able to do is 
in come November when the project is done, you'll be able to cross the Lehigh River and pick up the Lehigh Canal towpath and follow that down through the southern end of um, Carbon County, including Lehigh Gap, which is uh, one of the great environmental restoration stories, I think, in the Commonwealth, if not the nation. It's a former Superfund site that's now a nature center. Then it goes down into the Lehigh Valley until we hit uh, just north of Allentown, and we have another, we have a gap there, and we're working on both sides of the river uh, to get to Allentown, the rail trail side as well as the towpath side. And on the rail trail side, it will actually be uh, part of the wa- a waterfront development in the city of Allentown. And on the towpath side, you go through a number of different communities, Northampton, Catasauqua, and then it comes together again. You go to Bethlehem, Easton, and then at Easton it picks up the uh, Delaware Canal, and then it's almost 60 miles continuous to Morrisville, where it picks up the East Coast Greenway. And, of course, this is part of the the Philadelphia Circuit uh, once you hit Easton. And then at Morrisville and Trenton, we pick up um, the East Coast Greenway. There's a couple of three gaps there that we're working with PEC, actually, the Philadelphia office, to close those three gaps. The most mileage that's left, um, and we are building it, is in Luzerne County, mountaintop and north. And we're partnering up with the North Branch Land Trust. By next year, about six and a half of those miles should be built. And then there's another six miles um, that we're working with some local groups. And all of that stretch north of, if all goes well, everything north of Whitehaven, which is where Lehigh Gorge State Park ends, will become part of the Bureau of Forestry. They will they will take on long term maintenance of the of the trail. And you said this should be open in November. That's that seems like a, a speedy turnaround for a project that was twenty five years in the making. Six months <laughs> yeah, pretty good. But because, and that's you know that's an interesting thing too is the bridge itself. It's a two hundred and fifty feet long. It's a single span through truss bridge. It'll be an oxidizing steel structure with a wood floor. It is being assembled or being built down in Alabama by a company named Contec, and it will be brought here to Pennsylvania in pieces and then assembled very near the site, which is just maybe a few hundred yards away from where the actual bridge will be located. And then it'll be put in place in two big pieces, crane on either side of the bridge and, and, and put into place which should be a pretty spectacular occurrence when that happens, probably, I I assume, early fall. You mentioned the economic impact. Can we get a little bit more into the numbers, what the cost will be, and then what you expect by way of a return on that? Are there any data to suggest what we can look forward to? Well, we are actively doing counts now so that we have a current uh, trail user count. In 2012, we did an economic impact study with the Rails Trails Conservancy, and at that point, they logged annual users in the neighborhood of 283,000. So we have counters out now, and as you know, you know, the counting on trails has come a long way. So we would expect to have some really good updated base data to, to start with. In that study, they said that the trail at that point in time, using their, you know, the typical economic impact study that RTC used, uh, of about 19 million just for the trail itself. And the impact varied by location, like in the Jim Thorpe area and down in the New Hope Washington Crossing area, 
the impact was very much tied to people coming and riding and, you know, multi-day use, spending money in the towns, whereas in the Lehigh Valley, the economic impact was more for the residents because they're purchasing bikes and they're using the trail as a part of their day-to-day living, whether they're commuting on it or they're um, using it for fitness themselves. So there's a variation according to which section of the trail you're looking at. Now, we did... Uh, separate from that, the Heritage Corridor to the DNL contracted through the National Park Service to do an economic impact study of the entire corridor. So that would include a swath on either side of the trail in the communities and such. And that same year, they looked at, and this is a, a formula, the implant model that was used of a, about 238 million was the impact of the corridor supporting 3,323 jobs and creating about 22 million in tax revenue. That impact study is going to be redone this year. So we do anticipate a boost. This was an investment of about 600,000 by Pennsylvania Department of Conservation Natural Resources to design and engineer the project. And then it was another 3.3 million that came in through Federal Highway and the Transportation Alternatives Program. So even if you're looking at a $3.3 million and just looking at the $19 million, each dollar is multiplying. But then when you look at the corridor-wide, you start looking at people that are going to the museums and the deeper impact in the cities themselves, not just on the trail itself. It's pretty substantial when you're, you're, you're looking at the hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, it's a huge accomplishment and, and very exciting for the region. So congratulations and thanks for talking to me today. Well, thank you. You know, this was an idea that was put out there by some dreamers, and it's a very gratifying position to be in because I got my start, actually, in the 80s as a Main Street manager in Jim Thorpe. So I heard about these plans, and to be able to see really great plans become reality is just, it's, it's an amazing thing. So it's, it's, it's wonderful to be a part of this whole movement, you know, in eastern Pennsylvania. Well, best of luck going forward. Well, thank you very much, Josh. That's Elisa Garofalo with the Delaware and Lehigh National Heritage Corridor, which is closing the last remaining gaps in the 165-mile DNL Trail. It's expected to be complete by 2020, forming the longest continuous multi-use trail in Pennsylvania. Our thanks to Mark Hiller and WBRE-WYOU-TV for the use of sound from their report on Wednesday's groundbreaking event in Jim Thorpe. You can find their story at pahomepage.com, and we will post a link at our website, peckpa.org. There, of course, you'll find more Pennsylvania Legacies episodes and lots of information about all of Peck's work to improve our state's environmental health and quality of life for everyone. Lots more on the DNL Trail, including resources for planning your trip at DelawareAndLehigh.org. And that's all for this week. New episodes of Pennsylvania Legacies post every Friday. You can get them on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at PECPA.org. For the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, I'm Josh Rollers. Thanks for listening. <music>